everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Come on, boy, boy, can you get it up? Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Happy holidays. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, we're going to have the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. Someone signed a new endorsement deal, and it's someone that you might not expect. We'll tell you who that is. That's coming up in our next segment. In segments three and four, Charles Robinson, a terrific reporter for Yahoo Sports. He covers the NFL. He covers college football. We're going to primarily talk NFL with him this week. We'll get the latest on the collective bargaining agreement discussions for the NFL. Might they have a deal by the Super Bowl? Also, the renaissance of Michael Vick. And what in the world is going on in Minnesota with the Vikings? From the collapse of the roof to the streak from Brett Favre being snapped to potentially could the Vikings be headed out of Minneapolis. We'll discuss all of those topics with Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports coming up in segments three and four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. You can find everything you need at sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm on Twitter at SB. Radio. Want to remind you, next week and the following week, our last two shows of the year, we're counting down our top 20 sports business radio stories of the year 2010. Want your submissions? Email me, Brian, B R I A N, at sportsbusinessradio.com. If you think those suggestions should have any kind of priority, make sure to put that in the email to me as well. Coming up next, headlines. The Phillies have a new player. They kind of broke the mold with what they usually do when they're signing a player. We'll tell you about that coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is SBR. Back with more after this. Now the ground is white. Go it This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio Headlines brought to you by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, the prized free agent of the MLB free agent market this offseason, Cliff Lee. A lot of people thought, is he going to sign with the Yankees? Will he return to the Rangers? Well, this week he surprised a lot of people. He returned to the Philadelphia Phillies. A lot of people didn't see the Phillies on the radar, but Lee had been traded from the Phillies about a year ago at this time. The surprising thing about this deal, a few things, Griggs. Number one, he could have had a $150 million contract, roughly $30 million more than he got from the Yankees. The Rangers were also offering him more money than the Phillies did. He signed a five-year, $120 million deal with the Phillies. Now, the other interesting thing, if you remember last year, when the Phillies signed Roy Halladay to a contract, they signed him to a three-year deal. The Phillies have a long-standing policy, we will not sign pitchers for more than three years. Obviously, pitchers, their arms, a big risk. But they broke that policy this week to sign Cliff Lee. They now will trot out four primetime number one starting type pitchers when the upcoming MLB season starts. A lot of people in Philadelphia, Christmas came early this week. Definitely, and uh, it's like an all-star team right there, just their pitchers. What a lineup, and uh, you know, I hope he, he kept his house in Philly because he's back there again. <laughs> yeah, and I guess you know his wife played a big part in this. There was a lot of talk about uh, his wife, I guess, was spit on at the Yankees game when the Rangers and Yankees were playing in New York. That didn't sit well with her. I don't know how much of an impact that had in this, but you can't underestimate the impact of the other family members, especially your wife, has on a move like this. Now, here's another part of this story that's interesting. When Cliff Lee was in Philadelphia a year ago, he wore number 34. Well, he was traded for Roy Halladay. When Roy Halladay got to the Phillies, Roy Halladay took the number 34. The Phillies are scrambling right now to produce as many number 33 Cliff Lee jerseys as they can because Phillies fans want Adam and they want him for the holidays. So you've got retailers and sporting goods stores stocking up as fast as they can on Cliff Lee number 33 jerseys this week, Greg. Couldn't they do like a 34A, 34B? Or, or names on both of them. Have fun with it, you know. But yeah, I guess you got to make different jerseys with different numbers. But they're going to sell too, because everybody. I mean, I, Cliff, he's my favorite pitcher. I love the guy. I might even have to go out there and get a jersey when they make the 33s. Wow, you might be rocking a, a 33 Cliff Lee jersey I in the studio might, here. I just might. I loved him when he was a Mariner. You know, for that little tiny time, he he's he got my heart. Our next headline. I'm sure you saw the unbelievable video, and this was a week ago. But the snowstorm in Minneapolis that caused the roof of the Metrodome to collapse. And Griggs, this has so many ramifications that we'll talk about in our next segment with Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports. But in the short term, as we tape this show right now, we wonder... Where are the Vikings going to be playing their game? Is it going to be at the University of Minnesota, which, by the way, would cost the Vikings about $700,000 to get that stadium ready? 
You may remember they played in Detroit last week. Now, this is crippling for the Vikings on a number of levels. First, you've got a stadium that is in need of big repairs. Secondly, your biggest revenues are from that home gate. Your fans coming in, the merchandise that you sell, the parking, the concessions. Now that you're playing these games on the road, and in Detroit they gave away tickets, unless you had a ticket to that game in Minnesota, and it was honored in Detroit, but how many people made that commute? Big problems for the Vikings, and uh, you know we'll have to see what the long-term future is for them in Minnesota now that their home is badly damaged. That video was really eerie looking. I mean, it almost looked like it was something that somebody set up to, to look fake, you know, kind of a, a Photoshop video type thing. I mean, it was, it was just like the, the weirdest, Armageddon. Yeah, it was the weirdest looking thing. And the roof just starts kind of wobbling like a balloon and then it was crazy. Yeah, if you've seen that movie, uh, The Day After Tomorrow, where they have all the special effects, that's kind of totally. what it reminded <laughs> me of. You're like, whoa, are these yeah. special effects? No, this is real. Yeah. And it was interesting that Fox held that video instead of putting it out. They put it out on their show first last Sunday, and then people took it from there. Our next headline, the Florida Gators wasted no time in hiring their new coach, replacing Urban Meyer, who abruptly resigned last week. The new guy? Will Muschamp, he's been the defensive coordinator at Texas. He was the coach in waiting, going to replace Mac Brown. He was making $900,000 a year as the defensive coordinator at Texas. He's going to make $2.7 million per season in a five-year contract, $13.5 million in all. Now, it's interesting. Florida's actually going to save some money here because Urban Meyer had signed a $4 million per season six-year deal. So they'll save about 1.3 a year. Uh, no word on the bonuses that may be included in Muschamp's contract, but we know Urban Meyer had national championship bonuses and things like that. Now, the highest paid coach in the SEC is Alabama's Nick Saban, who's making $9 million a year. So Muschamp's got a long way to go to catch up to him. Our next headline... Minnesota Vikings quarterback Brett Favre's decision to sell an autographed football commemorating his streak of 297 consecutive regular season games started on his website for $499 just minutes after it was deemed inactive for Monday night's game. Griggs, I think this cheapens his streak, as others have said this week. And I was really surprised. I mean, it leads you to believe that Favre and his people knew at least earlier that day, if not days Previous that Favre wasn't going to be playing if they have these balls, you know, embossed with 297 games and autographed by Brett Favre. If they've got those ready to go, it leads you to believe they knew about this a lot earlier. Yeah, it just seems a little off color to me. And, you know, I think he should have just quit after last season and just ended it there. And I think it would have been a lot more classy because I think the whole, this whole thing is just, it's like, it's just a mess. And I think sometimes it's used as a marketing thing as, as they're kind of doing it now with the balls being signed. Well, it, it, kind of feels like a guy who's at the end of his career, which Favre is, and he's desperate for, you know, capitalizing on any last way he can squeeze some money out of the public. So here's what he's trying to do on his website, brettfarve.com. Our next headline, Michael Vick has an endorsement deal. No, it's not with Nike. It's not with Coca-Cola. It's with a Nissan dealership in New Jersey. Now, he's not getting paid for this endorsement deal, but he is getting free use of a customized Nissan Armada worth $54,000. And furthermore, you can see Vic starring in a commercial for this dealership in New Jersey. And what it shows, 
Griggs, is that here's a company that is willing to align their brand with Michael Vick. Will there be other companies who take advantage of his terrific play on the field this year and the fact that he's kept his nose clean to align themselves once again with Michael Vick. Yeah, I think it's a good move for him too. It's, it's all part of his rebuilding process but, you know, he's not saying, I'm, I'm too big I, I can't take this small deal. You know, some of these athletes would say, no way, I'm not going to do something like this I got I need Nike, I need something big and he's starting slow, starting small and then it's going to work up to something big eventually. Well, and a guy who was in Michael Vick's shoes a few years ago, Kobe Bryant he's had a renaissance with the endorsement world. He signed a two-year deal to endorse Turkish Airlines this week. Probably didn't see that one coming. There's going to be a lot of flights from Los Angeles to Turkey, and the Turkish Airlines people wanted to take advantage of their relationship with Kobe Bryant to promote those flights. Coming up next, Charles Robinson. He's with YahooSports.com. We're going to catch up with him on a plethora of NFL topics. What's the latest on the collective bargaining agreement? Will there be a season next year? And what does he think of the troubles of the Minnesota Vikings? We'll discuss those topics next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. My guest is Charles Robinson. He's with Yahoo Sports. You can read him online at yahoosports.com. Charles, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Brian. So, Charles, this week, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell comes out and says he'd like to have a new collective bargaining agreement in place by the Super Bowl. Is that realistic? What are you hearing? Yeah, I think it's realistic, and, and here's why I think it's realistic. You know, we've discussed pri- you know, previously on your show uh, about th- this idea of an 18-game schedule, and I've maintained all along, you know, for, for what, a, a year now, that really if there's going to be a bargaining chip that gets this CBA done, it's going to be that 18-game schedule. The owners really want that, and 
you know, they're going to be willing to give up part of their revenue pie, you know, part of that percentage that they want to peel back. They're going to be able. To, they're going to be willing to give some of that back because they know if they get two extra games on top of this, uh, you know, it's you know that's just, that's simply 64 games of of or excuse me that that's 32 games of revenue uh, that that they're going to be able to pile on top. I mean, that's a ton of money that's going to go right back into the coffers and it's going to be divided among the franchises. So it's it's worth their time. It's worth the money. We're not even talking about you know concessions and and obviously any local advertising, all those things that are also you know, ancillary parts of the revenue pie, uh, that, that's going to get it done. And, and frankly, you've got the big owners that are behind getting this done, guys like Robert Kraft, guys like Jerry Jones, who are motivated to get a deal done. Jerry Jones does not want to lock the players out. He wants to have football next season because, frankly, you know, he's got a billion dollars tied up in Texas Stadium that, that he needs to continue paying on. So it behooves nobody to have their investment sitting there dormant um, you know, I think that's why you're seeing Roger, Roger Goodell come out and make these positive comments. And I think, frankly, it also signals that there's a softening of, of the stance between the league and the union. Remember, we've seen a lot of negative comments, really from both sides, over the last you know, 18 months. For the commissioner now to come out and be saying these things, for Robert Kraft to come out and say, you know, express optimism at getting a CBA done. I think that shows a softening on the stance of the owners, and I think this will ultimately get done. Maybe not by the Super Bowl, but I don't think it's going to linger a lot longer. With that being said, I've read comments from players talking about that 18-game schedule and talking about the wear and tear of the 16-game schedule and their concern about injuries if you add two more games. How much is it going to take for the players to come around to add those two games? Well, you know, look, it's it's going to take, uh, you know, there's, Look, the, the, essentially what you got is the union, DeMore Smith is going to have to go to those players and he's going to have to sell it. He's going to have to say, hey, look, if they want to take 10% off of, you know, I mean, off of what we're making in a year, um, you know, if, if they cut that back to only taking back 6%, that's a, that 4%, that's a huge difference. That's a monumental difference, particularly to veterans. Um, you know, you're going to start talking about putting a cap in place, which, you know, is going to put a salary floor back in place. And, you know, you, they can go out and say, hey, you know, all these teams that were, you know, $40 million under the cap, $50 million under the cap and under the salary floor, they're not going to exist anymore. You guys who are veterans, you're going to get paid. This is going to go into your pocket. Maybe there will be a rookie wage scale. That's more money into a veteran's pocket. Um, I think, you know, DeMore Smith is going to have selling points. And frankly, those guys can talk about the wear and tear, but ultimately – even in an 18-game schedule, let, let's take the running back position, right? Most teams know you don't want to get, even a major centerpiece running back, you don't want to get him more than 350 carries in a season. That's not going to change just because there's an 18-game schedule. Teams know, hey, we don't want to wear our guys down. You see Jamal Charles. Look at how Kansas City has used him this year. A lot of those touches, that situation is to keep him healthy in the long run. Essentially what this is going to do, like I said, the position of running back you're going to sit there and go, well, you know what? Every team's going to have to have two bell cow backs, two guys who are going to get paid because we know in an 18-game schedule we've simply got to have two guys who are capable of making you know, starter caliber money or one guy capable of making starter caliber money and a guy right behind him who is fairly close. So you'll continue to see 
teams use guys, I think, in, this, in a similar way. I think it's just going to be it's going to be better for the lower parts of the roster because you're going to see guys who are going to get more usage in a game. And, and frankly, that's good for them in terms of opportunity. Charles, last note on the CBA. A lot of fans think, okay, as long as they get something settled before the start of the 2011 season, we're all fine. But that's not really the case. The agreement's up in March. And because these teams are renewing season tickets and sponsors, this really needs to get done by that March deadline, doesn't it? Right. Well, it needs to get done. If, if you want to talk about the typical NFL calendar, what happens in terms of off-season workouts, things of that nature. Um, yeah, and you, yeah, season tickets, um, you know, some of the draft you know, issues in terms of like off-season workouts, things of that nature, you know, mini camps. Um, if, if you want to maintain the typical order of an NFL season, yeah, you want to get it done as soon as possible. Otherwise, you're basically going to talk about an abridged time frame and a lot of things happening in a small space. If this goes, you know, say this doesn't get worked out until April, May. I mean, you know, players aren't going to be working out with teams until April, May. What does that do for the season? Do you bump back the starting date of the season so that you can fit in some mini camps and try to get guys ready in the off season, Or do you just say, hey, you know what, we'll deal with it. It's an abridged off season. You know, we'll have to squeeze everything into a short few months before training camp opens. I tend to think they'll just go with the abridged offseason and say, you know what, every NFL team's got to deal with it, so really no one has an imbalance. Or there's, there's no lack of balance here. Everybody's dealing with the same issues. Um, you know, for the, from the fans' perspective and purchasing tickets, yeah, you know, it pushes it back, but let's be real here. I mean, you know, fans really don't – as long as they can get their tickets before the game starts – that's all that matters. So it puts a lot of pressure, I think, on franchises to do a great amount of things in a short period of time. But ultimately, if it gets done before next season starts, it won't matter. I mean, ultimately, everybody will be fine. Everything that, that's supposed to happen will happen. And, and, you know, fans will be fine. We're joined by Charles Robinson. He's with Yahoo Sports. You can find him online at yahoosports.com. Charles, I don't know if there's any NFL franchise that has had a rougher go of things this year after having such high expectations than the Minnesota Vikings. From the season that Brett Favre has had to literally the collapse of their roof. And, yeah. you know, as we as we have this conversation right now, there's debate. Do you have the game at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis? Do you have it at the University of Minnesota, which would cost the Vikings about $700,000 to get that facility outfitted for a game on Monday night? Boy, what a tough season for the Vikings. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, it really has. This has been about... It, it's been about as bad uh, if, if you had sat back in this offseason and said, okay, well, let's, let's sit down and talk about the worst-case scenario. I mean, this is it. Not, and, and, you know, not only, okay, the Brett Favre injury, you see his streak end, which, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, I think for a lot of fans it's unfortunate to, to actually see it end. I think, you know, it would have been nice to see this guy finish his career on that streak. Um, you know, the, the, obviously the, the Jen Sturger issues, you know, the fact that, um, you go through really what is a public relations nightmare with you know the centerpiece or the, the most prominent face on your team in Brett Favre, the class of the roof. Um, you know it's it's literally just been one thing after another with with the Minnesota Vikings, and then you know frankly just the failed expectations. This was a team that a lot of us thought, me included, that you know if if, if things return and, and everything's normal when the season starts. This was a team that you know was going to be a Super Bowl contender. They've been anything but. The head coach gets fired. They got to go through a coaching search in the off season if they don't feel like Leslie Frazier's their guy. 
where's their stadium going to be located? I mean, this is a lease that comes up. You don't even know if the Vikings are going to have a stadium in the coming years. And then on top of that, guess what? Your quarterback situation is toast. I mean, you got to start over. Tavares Jackson is really not going to be a starting caliber guy. They know that now. Brett Favre's gone. It's almost like you're starting over, not only from scratch, from a team standpoint, considering you got to bring in another quarterback, but almost as a franchise, you know, because literally the face of your franchise is going to change. The you got some aging pieces. The roster is going to change. And where are you going to be? Are you going to be the Minnesota Vikings? Are you going to move to L.A.? Um, there are a lot of big things on the horizon for the for the Minnesota Vikings, and it's it's funny because they all really came to head in in 2010. And I think that's how the season will be remembered. Yeah, that's one of the things I was going to ask you. There's these three groups in Los Angeles that are pushing hard for bringing NFL football back to the nation's second biggest market. And as you said, the lease deal for the Metrodome for the Vikings is up. And right. Boy, you know, in sports, if you can find a portable mobile franchise, that's a gold mine for you. And it seems like yeah. the Vikings are pretty portable right now. Well, they fit. Yeah, they fit that better than any NFL team out there because of the lease situation. I mean, that's. I think fans don't understand the biggest thing typically standing in the way of of a team moving is number one, do they have a stadium to move to, and number two how the heck can they get out of the current stadium issue? I mean, some franchises own a stadium, so they don't want to vacate just for those very purposes, or they're locked into really prohibitive lease deals, uh, you know, with their, with their current, you know, their current situation with the state. So, um, you know, I think a perfect example was the Saints, you know, you had the Saints that were locked into, you know, a lease with, with the Superdome and, you know, that got nasty. And, and really the situation that Ziggy Wilf, the owner of the Vikings is sitting in right now is, Essentially, in terms of location, you become a free agent. Once your lease is up, there's not much that's really holding you back from moving. And frankly, if L.A. is an attractive market, and it really is at this point, uh, and they can get a nice stadium built. Now, you know, we've talked about that now for a long time. But if that can actually get done, I think that's a heck of a, of a situation that Ziggy Wolf, you know, finds himself in. And, and, you know, like you said, that stadium deal comes up, you're very portable. So, you know, unless something can get done pretty quickly with the state of Minnesota, knowing that the state that, that the you know, the Metrodome is in right now, uh, I, I, to me, this is the perfect kind of play for Ziggy Wolf to say, hey, you know, look at, our, look at our stadium. You had an opportunity to build us something. I've been, you know, seeking this for years. Didn't happen. The roof implodes. Our season is, you know, disrupted by this. I don't want to put up with this anymore. I'm going to go to L.A. Back to my conversation with Charles Robinson of YahooSports.com next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at SportsBusinessRadio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Have a holly jolly Christmas. And when you walk down the street, Say hello to friends you know and everyone you meet. Ho, ho, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, 
We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. Now back to my conversation with Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports. I read your column this week on uh, Sal Alosi from the New York Jets, the strength and conditioning coach. You know, it gave me flashbacks, I'm aging myself here, but of Woody Hayes. And it wasn't, you know, Alosi grabbing a player as he ran down the sideline, but it was still so disruptive and, and so unexpected. What did you think of that? I mean, I read your column where it seems like you thought it was pretty outrageous, but uh, did you agree with the penalty that was assessed to Alosi? Yeah, you know, I, I did, I do, you know, and now obviously he's been suspended indefinitely because, you know, it's come out that he directed players to, to line up and create a wall on the sideline. Now, number one, in terms of his creation, that wall and all that, I think this is one of those things that happens in the NFL that we're not really all that aware of until something like this happens. And it exposes, just like the whole defensive signals issue that came up during Spygate, you know, oh, taping of defensive signals and, you know, and then everyone's, you know, you talk to the front office guys and they say it happens a heck of a lot more than people realize, just like this wall issue. You know, people say, hey, look, you know, go back and get all the tape and you're going to see a lot of irregular things happening with personnel on the sidelines. Uh, so this is not that, that unusual. Now, sticking your knee out and, you know, kneeing a guy as he's running down the, the sideline defenseless, yeah, that to me is, is what was so awful about this situation. You simply can't do that because, you know what, when gunners are working on punt, in punt situations – um, you know, they're running, and, and frankly, all their attention, every single bit of their vision, everything they're doing is directed toward the field simply because, you know, you don't want, you know, unless you're going to run into somebody on the sidelines there, you don't want to, you, you just don't think any kind of threat is coming coming from that side of the field. So for Alosi to stick his knee out the way that he did, you know, Nolan Carroll could have suffered a serious injury. If this guy blows out his ACL, you could alter a player's career simply by doing something stupid like sticking out your knee. And to me, that's why this is so egregious. I thought the, the $25,000 fine and the suspension in the remainder of the season, I thought that fit the crime. You know, now they've, they've suspended him indefinitely because he had ordered this wall of players, uh, you know, to stand side by side. But, you know, as far as what the initial suspension was and the, the fine, look, that matters. $25,000 to a strength and conditioning coach, he's not a coordinator. So that's the money that matters and taking him away from the franchise, I can tell you, of all the coaches involved in the NFL, there is no guy who lives more at the practice facility than the, than the strength and conditioning coach. I mean, so I know a lot of these guys. They have nowhere to go. I mean, they spend 17 hours a day at the facility working out with guys, you know, doing an array of things. And, uh, you know, so to take that situation away, you know, I thought that was a pretty strong statement by the Jets with Sal Alosi, but... You know, now we'll see suspended indefinitely. That's rough for him. And, and frankly, if he's not ever brought back into the fold with the Jets, which looks unlikely at this point, I don't know if he's going to have an easy time getting a job in the NFL. You know, at the end of the day, the saying goes, a fish rots from the head down. Rex Ryan is the head coach of the New York Jets. Do you think right. he deserves any blame for Alosi's actions? You know, um, 
I, I think every head coach is accountable for his team, you know, but, you know, absent, you know, some kind of evidence that, that uh, you know, Rex Ryan was playing a part in, you know, Sal Losi's actions, I'm hesitant to ever say that a head coach, you know, really needs to be held, you know, all that accountable in this situation. Now, you know, do I think that Rex Ryan should, should step up and, you know, show some remorse over the situation? Yeah, and I think he has. And I think Mike Tannenbaum, the general manager of the New York Jets, has done a pretty good job of stepping out and saying, hey, look, this is unacceptable. We're embarrassed by this. Uh, this is something that never should have happened. And then taking action. Um, you know, I know a lot of people want to pin a lot of things that happen with the Jets on Rex Ryan because he's that guy that talks. He sets the attitude. He, t- he sets the tone. But you know what? There are a lot of coaches who set a tone, a very aggressive tone, but you know you don't send a strength and conditioning guy out there to potentially endanger another person's career on the field. I don't think Rex Ryan had anything to do with that, um, and you know I think he's suffering the consequences now, and the, those consequences are the way the Jets are viewed, not only within the NFL but outside the NFL as sort of a team that toes that line of being a little bit rogue. And, uh, you know, he's the coach, and, you know, he bears the brunt of that, and that will always be a criticism of Rex Ryan. We're joined by Charles Robinson. He's with Yahoo Sports. You can find him online at yahoosports.com. Just a few minutes left. Charles, a lot of great storylines in the NFL this year. But for my money, the most intriguing storyline of the year in the NFL is the renaissance of Michael Vick in Philadelphia. This is a guy who at the beginning of the year looked like he was a backup quarterback, didn't know if he was going to get time. He's playing at an MVP caliber level. He seems to be rolling up his sleeves in the community. He's getting endorsement deals, even if they're just local endorsement deals with car dealerships, as we find this week. And the guy is at the top of the Pro Bowl voting from the fans, I mean, which is a real statement by the fans, would you agree with my assessment, or do you see a bigger story out there in the NFL this year? No, I, th- I think I agree with that. You know, I think there are a lot of big stories, but I think Michael Vick, in terms of historically, you know, what we could have thought about his situation, and you know, hey, we talk about the Vikings in worst case scenarios. We'll talk about Michael Vick in best case scenarios, right. and I think you're watching you're watching Michael Vick live it. And you know, I think what's been impressive to me is you know not only his play, but the way he went about it. You know, he never was disruptive, you know, before landing this job. I don't think you could really find, you know, he was a guy who wanted to play. You know, he was a a quarterback who wanted to start, but he never made a big deal about it, Um, never became a locker room problem. And frankly, the more, you know, we've seen a lot of interviews here where Michael Vick has been very self-critical. And I think that's been important. I think for people to believe him and believe in this redemption, you had to see a guy who, showed legitimate remorse. And I think Michael Vick's done a good job of that, of stepping out there and saying, you know what, I was out of my mind. I was doing stupid things. No one could tell me anything, you know, and um, it's encouraging to see him out there, not only operating with the community, not only doing stuff with the Humane Society, but, you know, willing to step out and and say, you know what, put it on me. I did the wrong things. I was stupid and uh, not blaming it on anyone else. And then, you know, on the field, He's become a more complete player, and I never, ever thought that, you know, coming off of a prison stint, that he could step back into the NFL and suddenly be uh, at the apex of, of his game. And that's really where Michael Vick is now. He's learned how to be a better quarterback. And I think, you know, if you, if you look, have watched a lot of the games, you've seen some of the things that the, the shows, you know, ESPN or the NFL Network have analyzed some of the things that he's doing mechanically. It's interesting because, you know, Philadelphia, Marty Morningweg has done a really good job of helping to teach him 
some of the mechanics of being a quarterback, some of the sloppy things that he was doing with Atlanta and how that was causing him problems, they've done a good job of, of polishing those, those issues and getting Michael Vick to the point now where, honestly, he's playing where I think the Atlanta Falcons, when they drafted him number one overall, it was, we're going to get him to a point where he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Not a, not a you know, mobile quarterback, not a, you know, a passing guy who can get it done. He has now finally reached that, you know, many years into his career. And, you know, it's, it's, he's experienced a renaissance. I think it's a good thing. And, you know, it's, it's nice to see a lot of negativity pass and a guy maybe change himself and change his situation. And, you know, hopefully he continues this and, and doesn't let a lot of people down in the future. And, you know, I, at this point, I don't think there's any reason to believe that will happen. Michael Vick still owes millions of dollars to creditors. Yeah. What happens to him at the end of this year? I would think he's in line for a raise or a new contract, yeah. that he's an attractive commodity to someone now. Um, what do you see happening to him? Obviously, Philadelphia gave him a chance when no one else did. He fits in well with that offense that Andy Reid runs. He's got some real right. skilled players around him. Does he stay in Philadelphia, or do you think he moves on? I would be surprised if he moved on because Philadelphia is such a good situation for him. Um, you know, he has an offensive coordinator, Marty Morningweg, who really believes in him and who he's comfortable with and who, frankly, maybe unfortunately for Marty Morningweg, because his stint was so bad with the Detroit Lions, I don't think Marty Morningweg is going anywhere anytime soon. You know, I think he's found his niche as, as a very high-level coordinator in the NFL. Um, I think he'll stay with Philadelphia for a while. I think Andy Reid's another guy who, you know, is sort of like Jeff Fisher when Jeff Fisher was sort of – uh, entering that, you know, the the two-thirds mark of his career. I think Andy Reid's got a few more years left in Philadelphia, and maybe as long as Michael Vick will be there. Kevin, uh, Kevin Cobb, you know, young, uh, got some experience, has shown he can be effective on this level, and frankly is valuable. Um, but I don't think you shake up, you know, when you have a team that, that rises to the top of the NFC and becomes a Super Bowl contender, I don't think you shake that up for the young guy. I think you start to test the market and say, you know what, we drafted this guy with a second-round pick. Maybe we can get a first-rounder out of him. Maybe we can start to get, uh, you know, some uh, some kickback on the, the investment. I think Philadelphia could do that now. I think they're in a situation now where uh, Kevin Cobb has played well enough in limited time that there's going to be other teams out there that have interest and may be willing to to surrender uh, some valuable draft picks for him. I think Michael Vick is comfortable enough in Philadelphia in the franchise. He's taken a leadership role with some guys. He's very close to some key guys like Deshaun Jackson, who you want to sign to a long-term deal. Um, you know, I think you keep him there, and you give him a good deal. Now, he's, I don't think because of his situation, his age and everything, he's never going to get a Peyton Manning deal. He's not going to get a Tom Brady deal. He's not going to be a $100 million quarterback again. But I think he can get a good enough deal to help him pay off those debts and put some money in his bank so that he'll live a very, very comfortable uh, life, the, you know, the remainder of his life. And then, you know, you talked about the local – the local, uh, you know, what he's getting done marketing-wise locally, he's going to be a Nike commodity. Again. You know, Michael Vick, they're going to build a campaign around him that I think is going to center on redemption. And, uh, you know, he's going to be a commodity again nationally with some of the big companies. Boy, I'll tell you, looking ahead to the playoffs, I would love to see the Eagles and the Falcons match up in the playoffs. I think that would be yeah. a terrific game. Last question for you. The Patriots. Boy, coming into the season, I think there were people that thought, okay, you know, 
it's Brady and Belichick. They can get back to the playoffs, but they are really playing at a dominating level in the last few weeks. What they did in Chicago last weekend was really impressive, coming off the heels of that Jets victory. What do you think? Are they the team to beat right now? Have they separated themselves from everyone else? I think they have. You know, and I think you know Tom Brady's playing out of his mind right now. I mean, the guy's thrown hundred what two hundred and sixty eight passes in a row without an interception and. You know, Bernie Kosar owns the record at 308. That was set, you know, I think in the the very beginning of the decade in the 90s. And, you know, frankly, 20 years later after Bernie Kosar sets that record, I think Tom Brady's 268 is the most impressive in, in terms of consecutive passes on interception. Now, he's had some dropped, but I think it's more impressive now than ever before because of the complexities of the game, because of how, uh, you know, defensive looks have, have changed so drastically over the last 20 years. The quarterback position is, is, I think, exponentially harder to play 20 years later. And frankly, you know, it, it's a team without a running game. And, you know, Bernie Kozar played with a pretty solid running game in Cleveland. So, you know, I think what Tom Brady's doing at quarterback, I mean, he's the MVP of the league right now. We just talked about Michael Vick, and Michael Vick's played very well. But I think Tom Brady is playing at an otherworldly level that goes back to that season where he threw, you know, 50 touchdown passes, obviously prior to the injury that the season-ending injury that he suffered in 2008. So, as long as he keeps playing this well, uh, you know, to me, they're the team to beat in the NFL. And heck, you know, they knocked off the Jets in an impressive fashion. Uh, you know, they dominated Chicago. Um, you know, they squeak out a, a win against Indianapolis. They beat Pittsburgh. I mean, you're talking about a lot of teams. These are going to be playoff-caliber teams that they're beating right now. It's amazing to me to say that after Randy Moss, they got a heck of a lot better, but that's that's exactly what happened. They brought in Deion Branch. They got a heck of a lot better. Charles Robinson, Yahoo Sports. Find him online at yahoosports.com. Charles, how can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, they can hit up uh, at Yahoo Sports NFL, and uh, you know, I tweet daily, so uh, tweet and uh, proliferate. <laughs> Charles, always great to catch up with you. Happy holidays, and we'll talk to you after the new year. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter. Twitter.com slash SB Radio. Where are you, Christmas? Why can't I find you? Why have you gone Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what's, or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. 
to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Well, after two failed bids to buy a Major League Baseball team, billionaire Mark Cuban is seriously considering trying to use his money to create a playoff alternative to college football's bowl championship series. Cuban told ESPNDallas.com this week he's actively interested, but in the exploratory stage of creating and funding a playoff system to crown a champion for major college football. Cuban said he envisions a 12 or 16 team playoff field with higher seeds getting home field advantage. Griggs, as we've talked ad nauseum on this show, I am against the BCS. I'm in favor of a playoff system. Mark Cuban, a bright mind. He's an outside-the-box thinker. If he can be the guy to lead this effort and also get the donors and boosters who are supporting these programs on board and basically to tell the presidents, look, we're not donating any more money until you, the president, agree to change the system, I'm all for it. I agree. And this is why I love Mark Cuban, because it's like, he's not stuck on just basketball. I mean, the guy can do, he's out involved with so many different things. And like you said, people know him, people like him for the most part. This is uh, something I think he could really take far. Well, he's a smart guy. And again, he thinks outside the box. That's what this system needs. And it needs someone who's going to kind of serve as that central character, because it's not Bill Hancock, the BCS executive director, and it's not Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA. I want to remind you on our next two shows, we're going to be counting down the top 20 sports business radio stories of 2010 would love your submissions brian b-r-i-a-n at sportsbusinessradio.com send those to me we've gotten some good ones and we will unveil them 20 to 11 on our show next week and 10 to 1 on our show the following week you can always listen via podcast to those as well at sportsbusinessradio.com or we're on itunes a lot of thank yous this week our show staff brian griggs josh blank Jared Melzer, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, Kalkoff Bikes, and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page. You can find our iTunes icon on the homepage as well that will allow you to download our podcast every week for free via iTunes. I'm on Twitter, at... SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a fantastic week, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.